Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Welcome back to FEPS Talks. It's an absolute honor, privilege and a great pleasure to have with us today Cedric Vermut, who is the co-chair of the Swiss Socialist Party, member of the National Council from Argau in Switzerland. He is a long-time defender of civic rights, uh, citizens' rights. Uh, he has been uh, seated for a longer while at the Economic and Taxes Commission. This is his third time in uh, uh, legislative periods term. But also some amongst us may remember that he was a very outspoken and a very groundbreaking president of uh, USO. Well, I would say one and a half decades ago. Uh, Cedric, it's absolutely lovely to have you with us. Thank you for finding time. Great honor to see you again after all these years. Look, uh, let me cut down to the chase, because in uh, the European circumstances, there is a lot of optimism about uh, the state of uh, socialism and social democracy, especially following the elections in uh, Germany and in uh, Portugal. But you actually took responsibility uh, for the party after 2019, very difficult election, uh, historical low, some might say. So uh, being, um, I would say, still a fresh chair and uh, having clearly a lot of ideas, I was wondering if you could share with us how you see the state and the future of socialism and social democracy that you are one of the leaders of. Thank you for inviting me and having me on this uh, conversation. I think there are specific topics uh, related to Switzerland, but of course we are also in the European uh, tendency and, and everything that happens in, in the rest of Europe, even if we are not a member of the European Union, has a direct influence on a small country like uh, like Switzerland. Uh, going back to the 2019 election, I think there are maybe two takeaways that are very central, very important for social democracy. First of all, is that although the party was on a historic low, the left as a whole uh, is on a historic high. But it is for, foremost, it was the Green Party and to some part, left-wing radical left-wing that won Uh, the the elections after years actually of elections that have been won on the local level and cantonal level by the Socialist Party. So that means we have a real shift in society towards the left, which has come in Switzerland foremost by the feminist movement and then by the climate change movement, of course, but which has gone to the Green Party. The Green Party is is quite on the left wing in Switzerland. It's not the same as as in other countries, but of course, it's not social democracy. That's the, the first thing to take away. So there is a, a movement in our direction, but we have failed to, to capture it. And the question is why? And uh, we have given two answers to that question. So the Social Democratic Party of Switzerland has always been very strong in defending workers' rights, in defending working class movement. We have actually never lost to that extent, as has, has been the case in, in other countries, the, the working class basis, social state, pension system, etc., But in, uh, under the wave of neoliberalism in the 90s and 2000s, we have a little bit lost the capacity of imagination, of uh, making suggestions, uh, putting forward ideas that uh, were, in, in a sense, uh, modern also, that showed how we could uh, imagine a more social democratic future uh, with the reforms of the uh, pension system that does not mean privatization, but that means putting even more solidarity into the system that could work for the majority of the people. So we were too much on the the defensive side, on the one side. And on the other hand, we have to be very honest, we we missed the huge wave of uh, especially young feminist uh, activists, uh, and we did not enough integrate them to our party. And that's the the, the thing we're working on now with my co-chair, Matea Maier, to really open the party 
to the activism on the on the streets. We see a historic high uh, of political engagement in Switzerland on the referendums. We vote four times a year and in NGOs, etc. And we have to open up the party as a platform for everyone uh, seeking to bring something to the table for more justice and openness of society. And that are the the two main things we're trying to to work on. Let me stay on that topic for a moment, because you use very strong words. Uh, you also went back to the experiences of the financial crash and crisis. Um, and I think it's safe to say that uh, you are a very outspoken anti-capitalist. Uh, isn't that so? I mean, that's, uh, you know, we were discussing that a little bit, if it's a, if it's a compliment or an offense in itself. So, uh, you know, I have to ask you about that. So what is the modern uh, anti-capitalism? You've mentioned workers' movement. You've mentioned the need of defending the uh, vulnerable, standing for workers' rights, standing with the movement. Uh, but how do you see the uh, anti-capitalist approach fitting in the reality we have today? What are the more ideological and practical aspects of it? Of course, uh, if, if you had asked me that probably 20 years ago, I would have answered just, just saying uh, anti or, or, or crying anti-capitalist uh, slogans on public events would, would be the one of the ways to do. I'm, I'm still convinced uh, that we need a new model of society, which is shifting the center of society away from profit making to the common good. Well, I would try to rephrase it and to put forward ideas that show what we mean with post-capitalist future. And that's, the, the, I think, the big work to show that we're not just in a, some lost in a utopian world, but with here, that we are able to, to connect the daily experiences people make with what we mean as a post or anti, anti-capitalist societies. Maybe if I, I could cite two examples, one we try to develop during the times at the Young Socialists still, and we're working on uh, now is the inequality gap, which we attacked by suggesting by making a proposal to the constitution, amendment to the constitution. Switzerland, you can amend the constitution by popular vote uh, four times a year if you are able to get 100,000 signatures from citizens. You have a popular referendum directly. That's why we're always in a con- constant uh, campaigning style. And we made an amendment to the constitution saying that the highest salary within one company should not be higher than 12 times the lowest salary. And that was a way of quite radically confronting inequality. At the same time, a majority of the people, at least at the starting of the campaign, was uh, in our favor because 12 times higher salaries for everybody, if you talk about this, that's uh, quite a rational approach. Of course, we lost the vote at the end because there was a, a huge campaign of uh, economic uh, lobbyists, etc., against it. But we... I'd say we took away some moral, a moral victory on that because people understood what we were talking about. It was not just this abstract concept of a, of, a, of another society, but showing how inequality uh, directly related with their daily experiences in their workplace. Um, the second thing we're now uh, trying to elaborate is an idea on, for example, how to tackle the a housing crisis in the cities and saying, well, th- there is a direct connect, uh, connection between the very fundamental idea that there is a right to make profit uh, with housing and to sell housing to people or to, to make a rent. Why not making it just a right of every citizen uh, in our country? And after the financial crisis and also the COVID crisis now, I think it is the duty of the left to use that moment to tackle fun- uh, very fundamental questions. We've seen uh, what it meant if, if you have uh, health systems that are based on privatization, on, uh, on class medicine, 
actually the, there is no national coordination. You've seen what it means if we do not invest in people working in that field. And there is some gain of consciousness, uh, actually, at least in, in Switzerland, I'd say. We just won a popular referendum that put for the first time an amendment by the trade unions passed a, a popular majority by a very large margin, an amendment that is uh, now uh, that, that the first is the, the Confederation and the cantons to invest directly in the working conditions of workers in the healthcare sector. And that's, that's a very concrete thing we could take out from, from the crisis and show people how we, we imagine this, this, this better future. And I think that that's the approach to do, not, not to fear the power of, of big companies and, and corporate issues. And, and that's the approach. That we have the impression that there is a large understanding that the model of putting every country into, uh, into concurrence, uh, that this model of everybody against everyone, of racing to the bottom in taxes has come to a very critical point and it is our duty to to use that actually even uh, if of course uh, Olaf Scholz is, is maybe not the most not outspoken uh, left-wing social, uh, social democrat I, I think if you look at his program and what he's putting forward he's going the same direction I mean the idea of a minimal salary regulated by the state would have been impossible 15-20 years ago uh, in Germany now it's become kind of, of common sense and, and that's the way we try to put forward anti-capitalist reforms uh, in Switzerland in, in the very special conditions that in our country, of course, the financial sector has a has a huge power. And that's like the, the main opponent in, in all that debate. Let me also ask a sort of follow-up question on that one, because you've spoken now uh, quite a lot about the uh, care economy aspect, about the welfare uh, state aspect. You spoke about equality and reading clearly the uh, principle of democratization of the workplace. Yeah. I know you are also very strong on the issues such as putting the uh, cap on the salaries. But uh, let me ask a, a follow-up question when it comes to taxation. So how should we as progressive go about that? Because you've mentioned the particular circumstances in Switzerland. So I believe that's one of the uh, aspects that uh, we inside of the progressive family could learn from you when it comes to forward-looking proposals. I don't know if we could, uh, if, if you can learn from Switzerland. We have to win the next election, so then we can see forward. But now I suggest learn from, from Germany first and, and then maybe look to Switzerland. But yeah, I think that there is a, a double approach. Uh, first of all, we've taken a quite hard stance on the debate on the OECD reform on minimal taxation. Of course, Switzerland is one of the countries that has to put up its, its taxation because we are way below 15% in, in most of the cantons. And we have been entering the debate now by saying, okay, we probably should should change the attitude toward uh, big companies and, and global capital by saying, if, if there are really... A big corporation that say no, paying taxes, paying 15% is, is way too much, we're not okay with that, then maybe the moment has come for democracy to say, well, then go. Okay, we don't need you as a society. If we have to change this paradigm of a whole countries and a whole society being dependent on some CEOs and big corporations who try to get out of global solidarity and financing of the social state uh, more and more. That, that's the first thing to take a very hard stance on taxation and to say, well, taxation is actually here to correct the injustice that is very fundamental in, in a capitalist economy, even it, it also has a, a lot of advantages. And the second step, and I think that is the the obvious question that is always difficult for, for socialists is not only to talk about uh, taxation, but that taking the idea of democracy very serious and saying, well, there are things that should not be put on the market. Let's say there is a reason 
uh, of putting again on the table the question of common good and should everything be private? I think no, healthcare systems should not be private. Education should not be private. Pharmaceutical companies can be private, but there must be a, a first stock of public investment so that vaccines are uh, distributed fairly on the whole world and are available to, to the whole population and just not just to those who can pay that. I think the time has come to put that on the table again, bearing in mind that there has been a, a, a very catastrophic experience with that kind of ideas, which means we have also to take a critical concept toward the state. Uh, the state is not always the, the solution, but there are uh, ways like corporations and etc. that could be a, a very interesting model. And that's the, the kind of ideas we're trying to put forward step by step now in the debate. You've mentioned in the previous intervention also the question of climate change. And uh, when we started the conversation, you said, look, there is a potential of progressivism, but also some of the progressive voters are floating away to the Green parties and so on. Now, of course, uh, as social Democrats, uh, especially now in European context, we've been very outspoken about the European Green Deal. Um, and I know that it's something also close to your heart. Yes, uh, of course. I think there is a two-way approach. We support, uh, we, should, we should support every step in the right direction. So we have some questions on the European taxonomy. We're not sure if, if the this is a, a very great idea to do it that way. But I think we should we should be in, in support of, of every small step towards a greener ecology, also greener capitalism. That is, is, is a step we have to, to go there. But we have to take it very seriously what happened in, in the last years at the same time with the right-wing movements and also in our country with, with left-wing climate change movements. We just lost a popular referendum in June on a law that would have put Switzerland on the forefront and in the fight against climate change. What was the problem? The problem was that the law was based on the idea that climate change is in fact an individual problem. Uh, that is a problem that everyone has to deal with it the way of his or, or her life uh, by itself and that, that everyone has to pay for what she or he does wrong in, 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 in treating climate change, for example, using a car and, and that the prices should go up for using cars and uh, buying gas for the cars. And majority of the population refused it. And if you talk to people, if also if you show, uh, if you look at the polls that have been made afterwards, it's not a majority to said no to uh, a climate change or tackling climate change as a policy, but no, if it is the people only who pay for it and if companies uh, were exempted from from that law and the airplane industry was exempted from that law and there was no uh, direct tax that would have uh, taken would have shared the burden uh, with those who can pay actually actually for it and that's what we are now trying to change and we're, we just we just deliberate uh, elaborated a new amendment to the constitution that we're going to uh, start to try to get the signatures for it that say well we should understand the question of climate change as a part of public services, uh, as a part of public investment. And we put investment in infrastructure first because two-thirds of, of our ecological footprint is determined, in fact, by the way we produce, by the way the state is organized, by the way the economy uh, is, is organized. And, to, and, to, and then we've made the experience that people are, are okay that, to change their way of, of life if everyone does the same, if the big companies have to, if the millionaires have to, then they're they're okay to do it. But they're not okay with it if it's just the, the small guy and, and the small woman on the street who has to pay for everything. And that is, I think, the, the socialist approach to that question. Actually, again, uh, I think what Olaf Scholz did in, in his campaign to put the perspective of a better future and not just the catastrophe uh, in, in the center of the debate and saying we're doing that for better jobs, for a better future for everyone, for a fair, fair society, less dependency on big oil, on big companies uh, and, and the more 
regional organization of the economy, that's exactly the way to go. And uh, because you've been making a parenthesis with the uh, campaign of Olaf Scholz and with what the SPD has been proposing, one of the issues that seems to still be uh, having a lot of open questions in the socialist family is the question of uh, migration and inclusive and just societies. I know you're very passionate about that, uh, but at the same time, we of course have seen what happened uh, uh, in the referendum uh, in Switzerland when it comes to the issue of uh, migration. Um, there is a big volume of, uh, on one side, uh, Swiss citizens uh, working inside of the uh, other member states of the European Union. Uh, there is a large EU population uh, that is residing and working uh, in uh, Switzerland. But this is only, of course, a very uh, small group of those who are in need and in a search of a better future. So knowing that you have been uh, passionate about the topic, knowing also how much uh, effort you spent in a fight against anti-Semitism, anti-any kind of approach that would uh, cause discrimination. I think it would be important to hear from you, how do we pick up on that fight these days? Because uh, it seems to be at the moment a little bit of a sleeping issue, but is it right to treat it like this? There are two things or two things that that is important to understand. First of all, the 2014 decision uh, against the free circulation of uh, free movement of people between the European Union and Switzerland was not a xenophobic decision. That is very important to understand. It's often portrayed as that. And yes, the campaign was led by the Nationalist Party, but that does not explain the more than 50% of the voters who who said yes. That was actually a reaction to uh, existing social problems. Yes, migration uh, does not come without conflicts. And especially in a situation with Switzerland, the main migration of Switzerland are the employees and the big companies, the big capital coming to Switzerland, buying up, large parts of cities installing their offices and driving and driving prices, which is, of course, uh, bringing a lot of wealth to the country that, that the, the country is taking from the European Union and in, in, in a parenthesis that is a problem on the level of European solidarity. But there are a series of problems and deal between the Liberal Party, the Christian Democratic Party and the Socialist Party starting in the 1990s was saying, yes, we want to do that positive European integration. We are okay with opening some markets. We, we want to give the liberty of, of free movement in the whole Europe also to Swiss citizens and European citizens in Switzerland. But we agree on the fact that we need what we call flanking measures. That means very hard protection measures on labor market, on salaries against uh, uh, social dumping. And unfortunately, the parts of big capital and the Nationalist Party have managed to break uh, that consensus. And the central right uh, switched for opportunistic uh, electoral reasons to the right. And they refused to continue this way into questions of like uh, rent uh, regulation or, the, or uh, land regulation or the, the question who can buy land and who doesn't and under what circumstances. And that was more like a protest against this lack of social compensation for the, the problems uh, coming with uh, migration. On the other hand, yes, Switzerland has a huge problem in its uh, migration policy because uh, we have 25% people living in that country that have no voting rights, which is just uh, completely absurd. Uh, we have never managed to make the shift towards a really European country by accepting European biographies as a le- legitimate Swiss biographies. And also that is something uh, where we have taken a very clear stance, Matthias and me. Uh, we are, I know that there is a lot of debate within the European social democracy. Should we I'll paraphrase a little bit, uh, be a little bit direct. Uh, should we accept some xenophobic tendencies within the party because we could then win back 
parts of the the so-called uh, white uh, working class also should we accept some anti-feminist stances etc uh, we're convinced that this is completely false uh, we're convinced that in the long run politics uh, politicians on the left only can win if we're honest about what we stand for and that's why we take a very very progressive stance like that's the, the word i was searching for on migration on, on feminism and saying we're uh, defending on the first line uh, humanitarian rights, uh, asylum rights, and also the rights of migrants in Switzerland to get your uh, Swiss passports, political rights, uh, the, more or less when they arrive and when they decide to, to live in the country and to take up that fight very directly with the nationalist right wing. The, there was the strategy of the, of the left, the Social Democratic Party for 15, 20 years in Switzerland was not talking about migration, not talking about women's issues, because we were in, on the defensive and they, they feared to lose uh, even more voters uh, to, to the right. And I think that was, was completely wrong because uh, you, you lost part of your soul at the same moment as, as you lost, lost voters who were disappointed by, uh, the point that, by that stance. And, and that's why we're trying to, to shift away from that and to say, yes, we are, we are pro-European. We're going to decide that we still are the only party that has the vision of becoming a member of the European Union in the, in the end of uh, in the end of that year, knowing that this is going to bring a lot of uh, debate within the left, and we try to be uh, very open and uh, outspoken on LGBT rights, women's rights, and everything that is uh, actually uh, as as important as, as as the fight for the working class. And we're very uh, taking a very pro- progressive stance on, on migration and all these issues around that debate. I suppose that in our conversation, the question of the European Union has been a big cliffhanger. Now, mm-hmm. I, of course, know uh, that under your leadership, uh, user. Uh, have been always uh, very outspoken uh, when it comes to the pro-European stance. You've just said it also now that the party is the only uh, pro-European one. Let's talk a little bit about that because, I mean, we have a set of bilaterals. We have a set of the agreements between the European Union and uh, Switzerland. Um, but still, if you look, uh, you know, at media headlines, the main one that comes from uh, the um, political Euroact, if you name it, is in order to dance, you need to have two people and it seems that we can't dance together. So how do you see the prospects for those relations? Because it's a very important point on your agenda and you put a lot of political capital behind it. I think there are two points of uh, two perspectives uh, that are a little bit different. There, first of all, uh, I know that this is difficult to understand for, for our European partners, but European politics in Switzerland, as we are not a member, is always very strongly a, uh, a debate within Switzerland. And the main problem is within Switzerland. Uh, the main problem is there is that the consensus has fallen with the liberal right to say yes to market integration, to uh, opening markets, but extending workers' rights, labor market protection, and the expansion of the, of the social state. And there is a clear evidence now, and also political stand, that the people of this country are not uh, do not agree to 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 more uh, to to open their markets and op- open public services uh, to the European Union uh, if there is not a guarantee on on that direct democracy on on labor rights and protecting uh, worker rights and for me what is very important to say in, in this format is that we support 
that point of view, but never in an anti-European uh, anti way. We're convinced that this is part of the fight of the European socialists, trade unions, left-wingers for a more social Europe. That's the, the, the perspective we try to take. If we defend labor rights in Switzerland, it's always the labor rights for Europeans working in Switzerland and Swiss people working in the, in the European. It's never something to protect the Swiss against the European Union. That's completely rubbish. That's what the, the nationalists are, of course, trying with some success to put forward that but that's not our perspective and the the problem with the framework agreement was for example that the neoliberal uh, right wing that was leading unfortunately the negotiations with the european union found a solution with some very very liberal uh, people on, on the labor departments uh, within the commission uh, the european commission and suggested a weakening of the labor market protection regime. And that's something that is unacceptable for us. If we would do that, if we would allow social dumping on salaries in Switzerland, in 10 years, we would have a majority against the bilateral, uh, bilateral agreement. So that, that has, led to a very, has led to a very complicated situation, one we're not happy about. Uh, we want to find a new solution with the, the European Union. And, and we need here desperately in need of the support by European socialists, uh, Democrats uh, within the European Parliament and in the countries that they help us to get the necessary right to protect the Swiss labour market, which is a very special labour market. Salaries in Switzerland are two times as high as they are in, in Germany or in Austria or, or in France. The, the living, it's not just because we are, we are very rich, uh, but because living costs are extremely high in, in Switzerland. And that's why we, we need to defend that. And there is a space uh, of solutions. And we're looking forward to the implementation of the uh, new uh, amendments that are brought now to put a minimal uh, wage in, in Europe and the social pillar. And we really hope that the, the social, social Democrats are going forward in this direction, that we can, and then we can join this new wave. That's the hopeful perspective, actually. Well, hopeful perspective is uh, what we are exactly looking at the grand finale for yes. uh, what has been a phenomenal podcast. To wrap it up a little bit, um, you said that what we need is uh, inclusive and imaginative uh, social democracy. That was your opening uh, remark also when it comes to you know how to gear up the party that uh, was funded in 1888 and uh, needs to keep on afloat keep on being a modern one um, but uh, let's say you know let's uh, let's take it for the sake of uh, optimism and intellectual challenge if we were to record this podcast uh, five years from now if we were to reconvene what would be the three things that you as a coach of the party would say this we will have to accomplish in order for me to come back to the podcast and say, that's how we improved social democracy. That's how we improved uh, Europe in concrete terms in the next five years. That's not a lot, uh, I know. Um, but, you know, politics is usually 24 hours uh, cycle these days. So, you know, I'm stretching the limits here anyway. Uh, we decided to fight on five dimensions, but I'm not going to answer as a politician because you said three and, and you're, the, you're the boss here. I'm going to take it down to <laughs> The three most important, uh, I think the first thing is bringing together uh, feminist uh, fights with trade unions uh, with the climate change movement. And we can do that. For example, what we're trying to work on now is a common proposal uh, with all these through, uh, the three movements on the reduction of working time uh, in Switzerland. That would uh, respond to the needs for care uh, revolution that could bring down uh, production to a level that would be sensible to the use of resources. And that answers the, the demands of workers in Switzerland to get a share of the wealth that has created in, in the country. So that's the first thing, bringing together these big three movements, also with the, the migration movement and, and going to finding a common way 
to to go to go forward. Second thing is, I think there is a, a very traditional part that we should not forget, and that is coming back now also with the pandemic. That is the defense of uh, workers' rights uh, in their workplace, decent salaries, decent working conditions, also in the circumstances and under the the threat and possibilities of digitalization of the, the new uh, possibilities of of that uh, technology. And the third thing. I would say there is one big black hole uh, in, in social democracy that we have to open up, and that's the domination of big capital and big companies on our continent and in our countries, and to fight for, for a real democracy. That means we are the ones, people are the ones that decide which rules should be applied uh, in, in, in our countries and, uh, and in our continent. And that is, for example, on taxes, that is on healthcare, that is on the, the social state uh, where we have a right to, to have a good life. And we do not always have to give more and more privileges to, to the few, but to first and for all put the, the welfare and the well-being of the majority of citizens first. If we can change a little bit the life for Swiss people in this three dimensions, I'll come back and tell you how to do it. And uh, if I don't, I'll get the, the lessons from the European left. <laughs> well, I do hope that uh, we are appointed for at least within five years to take uh, stock. And yes. we wish you all the best of luck. This has been most inspiring conversation. And Thanks I think that uh, what I'm taking from that is how to make social democracy strong, how to make it uh, have a greater sense of integrity and how it makes to serve the people for what it was established to begin with. Cedric Vermouth, uh, co-chair of the Swiss Socialist Party, has been mine and your guest. Thank you so much, Cedric, for finding the time. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for being so open. And we hope to see you soon. Thanks for having me. It was a great time. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.